This is the Human Node Podcast. Human Node is the first crypto biometric network where one human is equal to one node. Learn how you can become a human node at humannode.io. Hey, Dodo. Shall we wait a couple minutes while uh, people join? Hey, Dershin. What's up, man? Yeah, not much. Just warming up for the fireside. Uh, we have a li uh, literal fireside here. Uh, you, might, you might even hear it cracking. Wait a sec. Do you hear it? Yes, nice. Time to bring the marshmallows. <laughs> Soy meat. So, okay. Um, give it two or three minutes and we'll start. Yeah, like. Just wait for a little bit. Yeah, Dado, your uh, internet connection is lagging a bit. Is it lagging now as well? Uh, now it's okay. It, it was uh, fading in and out for a second, but you're okay now. Okay, so just in advance, uh, the format is as usual. We'll basically go on for the first 20, 25 minutes and then uh, open up for a question. Then continue on for probably another 10, 15 minutes and then we'll open the floor for more questions and uh, general chat. So, um, if you have any questions, don't hesitate to raise your hand when uh, the floor opens. And otherwise, um, just type it in the chat and uh, we'll pick the questions up. And uh, that's Victor here. I'm sitting right near Dado. Wanted to say to our community that today we're having a special fireside chat when we'll be talking about a lot about 
use cases, interesting ones. So if you are willing to brainstorm with us on a particular industry inside the FI space, uh, please propose and uh, we will come up with something here. But that is something I wish we could do after the first 30 minutes. Victor, that fire seems like it's really roaring. Are there any barbecues going on at the same time? Already ended them. Oh, already ended them. Okay. Yeah. Okay, well, um, I guess it's uh, time to start. So welcome everybody to the Humanoid Fireside. Today, we'll be talking about biometrics for uh, decentralized finance. And uh, Dato, do you want to open? Dato? Yep. Yeah. Yes, let's let's go for um, some opening insights from you. Great. So, guys, um, today we wanted to go over um, various use cases concerning biometrics and, you know, lightness detection mechanism in a decentralized finance space, and uh, a lot of things that could be done and could possibly change the industry from within uh, because we introduce um, a, a way to determine who is a unique person and like this has been a very ongoing problem in various um, DeFi projects. So yeah, today we're going to be discussing various um, uh, problems to solve and uh, various projects that could arise from bringing unique uh, biometrics to uh, blockchain. Okay, uh, what I'd like to start with is uh, the concept that the speculative market really enjoys is farming. Guys, this is something uh, we came up with in talks with our partners, who will you find about later on. And uh, the thing is that imagine there is a company that creates a pool, right? For example, on uh, on balancer, and it wants to attract more token holders to this pool in order for you know increasing the liquidity of it. Uh, the thing is that usually when the project is uh, pretty early, it may happen so that there is just one person or two people coming with a big stake of tokens. And they just get into the pool and take all the rewards that were created to attract number of people to the pool. That happens always. Uh, we know that behemoths of uh, farming that exist in our market. 
And uh, eventually the people who don't have a lot of uh, capital in crypto, who haven't yet uh, created a fund, they just uh, come to that pool and uh, no rewards left for them because usually the amount of tokens for rewards uh, is limited. What we can do here is uh, for liquidity mining programs, which are temporary or even those that take half a year, if a person wants to engage in this liquidity mining program, he has to go through biometric identification, of course, and uh, liveness detection to prove that he's a unique living human being. Uh, what we could do after that is uh, limit the number of rewards each unique human being can get. Uh, this will ensure that the distribution of rewards which are created to attract more users to the pool and uh, you know to, to to spread the information about the project that it now enabled the rewards for the the pool basically we could limit the number of tokens per each person and in that way distribute the rewards of liquidity mining program more evenly uh you know, without uh, leaving small token holders with uh, one dollar of rewards. What I mean, Victor, um, is the is the whales on the liquidity pool mining is such a big issue? Well, it's not an issue. There are also, you know, the players in this market. Uh, but if the goal of liquidity mining program to attract new users, for example, this becomes an issue because uh, there is there is no reason for small token holders to even bother to, you know, go and uh, stake their tokens into the pool, you know, getting uh, all that impermanent loss for getting one dollar of rewards. So, yeah, in case it, the goal is not just to attract uh, the capital into the pool, but to increase the user base, then yes, it becomes an issue. But I mean, but what about you know disproportionate mining programs when you're kind of trying to stake more than others to get more than others, not just because they're human beings, but because you know you have more stake in it. Yeah, that's why I think that uh, the, the reward distribution shouldn't be even. It shouldn't be like completely proportional as well, but there should be limits for whales, or at least we could ensure that this person uh, gets at least some rewards despite the fact that he's a small token holder. So basically, um, what you're saying in that show is that um, using biometrics here to identify that it actually is a live human being you're able to um achieve more in the sense of you know if you achieve your goal you know as like if we're trying to bring more users then you will actually be able to reach out to more users rather than just a limited few which of course you know in a sense is the there's a whole concept between uh, behind humanoid to really um, limit it so that you know one one person equals one node, 
and that we have a more more decentralized and more uh, human-based rather than capital-based uh, system. Well, it's it's all about the point of view, you know. Um, how do you want to make your network? If you're aiming for a proper decentralization with like a lot of participants and you want them to be equal, yeah, that's your choice. But probably if you're trying to base your network on some high network <laughs> net worth individuals, you know, with big stakes, uh, for some people that might seem might more stable than properly decentralized network. When you're doing a liquidity program, yeah, that's something that you have to like orient yourself at. Yep, and uh, not going very far from decentralized exchanges. Another thing we're going to propose is the, you know, the airdrop that is pretty popular that one inch exchange did, Uniswap did. Uh, you see that people use crypto differently and uh, there are ways to cheat in those airdrops. How? You create multiple wallets, you trade through like tens or 20 wallets, and uh, eventually they distribute the same amount of tokens as an airdrop to their users uh, per wallet, not per person. What you get is that one person getting 20x more rewards just because he used the decentralized exchange from 20 different wallets uh, before the airdrop happened. As you see, the, our use case here is uh, pretty obvious. Everybody will get the same amount if they go through biometric identification. David, any thoughts there? Dada? Um, well, I was thinking introducing um, the next use case that we've been discussing a lot lately, um, mm -hmm. and it's connected to lending protocols. Yes, you just... <laughs> so basically, like, there's a problem that uh, lending protocols, they can orient themselves to the funds that people kind of, uh, like, leave and stake to receive more funds uh, as a, like as a credit, you know. And if you don't really know uh, a person behind this, or you're not sure that this is like a unique, real human being, then you you're not able to build like um, yeah a credit history system where you evaluate different like public addresses through how they acted before, so that you know most of the lending protocols of today work in a way that you have to put some money in, like before you get some money on top but uh, here uh, even if the protocol doesn't know your identity just knows that you're like a unique biological human being then it can like uh, use your credit history to kind of determine whether it can lend you more money that you're eligible uh, for and that's like a huge use case for any kind of um, loan um you know protocol out there basically yeah here we're not only speaking about uh you know the, the distribution of rewards but we're talking about if the person has a uh, great uh, credit score without even knowing who the person is he can uh, eventually put uh, less collateral because uh, we know that the person will give the money back 
And uh, this is like direct incentive and the person can get more revenue from his uh, DeFi strategies if uh, the lending protocol integrates the functionality like that. It won't be boasting saying that like, uh, since blockchain appeared, like as a separate way to kind of contain ledger for financial um, operations, there hasn't been like a proper protocol uh, without that like uh, collects a credit history or your credit score, as Victor has mentioned here, without knowing who you are. <laughs> um, and I mean, creating like a first loan protocol that distinguishes only your biological existence and, you know, um, gives you uh, credit based on that. That was something that was not achieved before uh, human earth. Yeah, and we're really aiming to deliver this technology to our partners out there. Hmm. And just out of curiosity, and, and obviously this would be a combination with uh, existing uh, products or uh, products to be. But I'm, I'm wondering how how could one build a Credit history. I, mean, I know, you know, just in simple terms, um, I bought a house. You know, of course, the banks go through all my financial statements and earnings, where I'm earning from, where I could possibly earn from, so on and so forth. And they, of course, threaten to take everything away and uh, a kidney too if I don't pay my loans. So <laughs> just, just uh, wondering if there are um actual programs out there that are being built on this this concept of uh lending well you know like a, a, any single credit organization or like even like in, in a country right mm -hmm. or even in an, on the international level there's some um honeypot with identities that have like their own credit score mm -hmm. everywhere. A any single one of us who have ever used any kind of loans uh, have has, has it. And we our identities are basically uh, saved and spread through all different international organizations so that they know that you have taken a loan and failed to like return it, that you're not eligible for any kind of loan in like any other bank or country. Same goes here, basically. Imagine you you want to get a loan for the first time. You're doing it through biometrics, right? And um, yeah, you, you go on. And at first, the protocol will ask you to uh, deliver some kind of collateral because it doesn't know you. It, it knows that only that you're like a unique human being and that you exist. But how good you are at returning loans, it doesn't know. So with time, as you've done like several different kind of loans and you've returned them all, the protocol, um, the protocol will basically distinguish that this human being that is alive uh, has taken three loans and returned three of them in, in time. And based on those conditions, it can lower the necessary collateral for you to take a loan. So you'll be able to take the same amount of money next time and not be, uh, have to like put in the same amount of collateral. Maybe with time, if uh, a person always delivers um, his payments on time, you know, and returns all the money, 
the protocol might even be uh, able to give him some loans without any kind of collateral. But the thing is that if this person tries to, you know, uh, use his reputation to take a lot of money and then not deliver the money back, basically his biometrics will go to the special honeypot that will um, disable him from taking any kind of loan from any kind of decentralized protocol in the future. Uh, and it, it, at the same time, no one is going to know his identity, but his biological traits are going to be there. Do, do you feel what I'm saying? Yep. Yep. That seems logical. And um, obviously, you know, when uh, when cryptocurrency is uh, discussed, let's say, because like I live in Japan, right? So in Japan, uh, when the various banking organizations and, you know, Ministry of Finance talk about cryptocurrency, they don't see it as a um, financial system that would really work because the system really is not able to, or as it is, is not able to uh, offer some of the basic financial services that they see uh, as essential. And one of the key factors that is always brought up is uh, loans, lending. So, I mean, if by using uh, biometrics in a reliable way, if it is able to open this path, it actually might change how some regulatory entities uh, view decentralized finance. So do we have any other use cases? Oh, for sure. I mean, there are a lot of industries in the DeFi space. And uh, the next one I'd like to slightly cover is uh, insurance. I think that, uh, well, not a lot of words needed here. Basically, if you are, uh, if you're like financially stable person in the decentralized world, you can have the same insurance coverage for less amount of uh, capital needed right basically this is uh, pretty much the same as uh, credit score system but for insurance and again uh, it it brings uh, us to the fact that the person who is uh, long in the insurance market and crypto is able to get uh, better rates and increase his API again. What type of insurance would you uh, would you imagine being used for this? I mean, you know, there's a whole wide range of different different types of insurance. Anything from health insurance to life insurance to insurance of a product to uh, artwork or uh, biological any, you know, any type of insurance that is like bindable to a person and actually you know because like the protocol uh, in human earth will determine um, uh, that you are you and that you're, you're like a living person there's like a whole uh, bunch of uh, insurance fraud that it won't be available 
to you know exercise against the system that is actually very true very true but the the most widespread type of uh, insurance in DeFi space is of course the uh, protection against smart contract risk right uh, mm -hmm. Of course, this is something that uh, nobody can control and that uh, doesn't depend on the person himself. But uh, there are a number of protocols competing between each other. And uh, we do not actually discuss the, you know, such a metric from uh, traditional IT, which is called lifetime value. But this is something those uh, insurance coverage protocols could uh, use, I mean, to you know, lower the rates of uh, that kind of production for a person who has already great lifetime value in the protocol and who brought the protocol a lot of money. Uh, this is something you know, to increase the competitiveness. Dara, do you want to go with one more or do you want to uh, open for, for questions? I mean, if there are any. Okay, let's see. Do we have any questions at this point? If not, okay. <laughs> so we have lending, we have insurance. Um, what else do we have? Well, we have also liquidity pools. Uh, mm -hmm. you know, liquidity pools, yeah. Um, airdrops for DeFi projects. Mm -hmm. And mo most importantly, we have marketplaces. Mm -hmm. Actually, like marketplace solutions were one of the first use cases that we aimed for um, because uh, one of the partners that approached us first was a marketplace. Mm -hmm. And basically, um, uh, the use case for marketplaces is pretty simple. So if you're kind to trying to like pull off some kind of fraud, right? Uh, and you know, you are a new shop on a marketplace and you pulled off the fraud. Okay. Then an ordinary marketplace would ban you, of course, but uh, you can easily like uh, create a new shop and conduct your fraudulent operations once again. And um, the thing about this is that if shops are run by shopkeepers that gone through biometrics, license detection, they even if they like like fail and they're caught and they're banned from the system, they won't be able to reopen the shop because you know their biometrics will be already in. So they'll have to use another person. But you know, eventually that person is going to be blocked again if they try to do something fraudulent. And yeah, you know, blocking biometrics is the way to go for marketplaces. It's very true. I mean, um, not necessarily decentralized finance here, but um, just I was laughing at uh, an article a couple of weeks ago. It was talking about uh, various Airbnb um, fraud cases where they had. Uh, people offering uh homes for for usage in airbnb 
and um, there are like 10 places or 10 people are offering a very similar home. And when somebody rented it and went to it, I think it was a group of Boy Scouts rented it and went there. It was basically a field with nothing there. And um, the Airbnb sports spokespeople were saying, you know, they're, they're trying to uh, block find new ways to block um, all these fake IDs that keep popping up, but uh, it is a relatively challenging task. But, you know, as you're saying, you know, in the marketplace, you know, if uh, people wanting to lend their property for Airbnb or whatever, and they had to do it through biometrics, well, it would be hard unless they had, they had a family with a hundred people and they're all willing to stake their biometrics. Oh yeah. You know, the thing about this gen is that, uh, you know, for Air Airbnb, for example, uh, mm -hmm. a centralized solution for them is okay. Like they can go to a biometric company that does, does lightness detection, you know, and boom, they have like biometrics inside. And if, even if they fail, for example, they can mm -hmm. always like delete somebody manually from the server. And uh, yeah. here we're talking about decentralized private biometrics, you know, and uh, even though we caught like, uh, even hypothetically we catch a, um, you know, uh, a fraudulent agent, we still don't know his identity. We only know his uh, kind of kind of biological traits. And, mm. you know, it, it, it even makes the game fair for them. It's that's very true. It's very true. And uh, I'd like to continue to talk about that uh, fraudulent, malicious people, but mm -hmm. in other terms, because uh, you can see the hacks for millions of dollars every week happening in the DeFi space. And uh, of course, it's hard to you know onboard each and every user and his biometric identity to the DeFi protocol. But hackers are not uh, going to, you know, to go through all of this analysis of the code, finding uh, flaws to hack the protocol for $10,000, right? They're <laughs> looking for bigger amounts of money. And the thing is, if you have like, the verification of people above, for example, the half a million dollar. I mean, people who want to, to use the protocol and to send transactions above half a million dollar, you could actually catch the hackers that way because uh, either they won't go for it because uh, they will eventually be banned in the protocol and they won't be able to uh, try another hack after that or you could uh well ban the person from the protocol of course you couldn't track the person himself but the you know how it's done today how white hackers are doing it today i think we could make life easier for them hmm. well just to say i need a a comment. Um, I totally agree with you that uh, smart people don't go for small amounts of money. I mean, as I 
taught my kids, you know, if you're going to uh, steal something and if you're going to get caught steal, stealing something, make sure it's uh, worth more than $5 million. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Oh, that's that's a great father you are. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you're going to spend the same jail, you know, same amount of jail time, might as well, you know, <laughs> go for something big. But anyway, setting that aside, okay. Um, and do we have any any others before we uh, uh, go into questions? Data? Okay, then uh, might as well open for some questions. Uh, yeah, I think it's time to. Yeah, open it up and go into the uh, questions and brainstorming. So, um, if anybody has any questions, feel free to raise your hand, speak up, type it out. And don't be shy. People, people are being shy all the time here. Then. So, um, there's also like another thing, uh, mm -hmm. which is basically ordinary payments, you know, mm -hmm. uh, like um, like PayPal, you know. Uh, basically, when you you're you're sending a payment to an organization or to an individual, and that individual is bound to some legal um, entity or uh, like a country that he's living in. And if you know that he's a real unique human being, you're basically able to address uh, him directly. And you know that this person is definitely going to receive uh, this payment for you and can be uh, like be legally registered as a proper payment for this person and not just some random public address created on the decentralized network. I think this can also make lives easier for decentralized payment system. Uh, as you know, once you send the transaction, it is almost immediately finalized, especially if we're talking about modern protocols, not uh, probabilistic ones like Bitcoin. Uh, that means that you can get the money back, right? If you send them to the wrong wallet. Uh, but I think that there are some ways, you know, to, to create some kind of decentralized organization which will say hey man you received the money uh this is not your money that was a mistake please <laughs> please send us back again we know that you're a real human being kind one and you know caring for us <laughs> <laughs> and most likely 50 percent of the people will send it back Yeah, other than that, we could just, uh, we could, their biometrics, you know, their hash could just be put on the list of bad people, 
that we can also <laughs> create, by the way. <laughs> private bad people, yeah. Pri private bad people. <laughs> who, 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 don't return, who don't return money that, that they don't own. <laughs> mm -hmm. Otherwise known as the lucky bastard list. So, um, shall I start randomly addressing people to speak up? Yeah, yeah, it's your hobby, Chad. Come on, go on. Uh, I, I see I that know Niels has joined us today. He, he might be your victim today. Yes. Neil, do you have any questions? Any, oh, no, any being, thoughts? Any I'm being put on the spot here. I'm not even yeah. sure if my mic is working. Um, oh, it's, it's working perfectly. All right, all right. I don't really have a, a, a question per se, but um, that list that you were speaking of, is that a is that a road that you want to take? Or was it just banter? It's most likely just banter, but, right. <laughs> uh, but depending on who um, actually uses the protocol mm -hmm. uh, they might uh, i guess that's a possibility for them to build it into their system especially if they're trying to um uh set let's say credit scores or to score their users yeah yeah, yeah. It, it is a but, possibility but that, then that's, that, that that's then up to the to the individual buying uh, uh building uh the application or uh or something like that right most likely, yes. Yeah, because I mean, there, there's also um, then a little bit of the moral question is, is money being sent to you that wasn't sent to you? I mean, uh, you, you could argue once it's sent to you, even by accident, it belongs to you, right? But maybe, uh, maybe I'm the guy that, uh, that might do it for less than 5 million. <laughs> that, it, it always comes down to the moral question here and you know, Obviously, depending on what country you are, um, like there are, you know, certain banking laws. Um, I know in Japan, um, if somebody pays you, let's see, there, there's a case a couple of years ago where, actually I think it was two years ago, where I think it was NEC or some big company uh, was going to make a payment. They, they made a payment worth a couple million dollars to the wrong account to, and this was actually a banking account. I don't know how they made the mistake, but they sent it to the wrong company. And it was like a really small company. And they ended up fighting in court in order to get the money back because um, because of the complexity of the laws. And the, the small company said, no, we actually deserve that. You know, we did <laughs> that much work for NEC and uh, they couldn't prove us wrong. I think eventually they ended up uh, returning the money uh, minus 20% or something. But um, I guess it really depends on the regulation of the country and their, the financial regulations. Yeah, makes sense. But I mean, in, in that case, uh, it's not really 
different than 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 other projects where you could potentially blacklist certain addresses based on your own interpretation of what they did right hmm. Dara, what do you think that too yep well, uh it really depends on the particular use case right i mean any protocols can ban malicious people i'm not sure that uh, you can take the money back right we don't have reversible transactions yet mm -hmm. and yep. it would be pretty strange if we had them uh but yeah we were talking about having the uh, list of bad people who you better not interact with and you know uh, send them into your blacklist no, yeah, actually, Niels, yeah. uh, you, this is just one of the last uh, use cases we're talking about is that as if brainstorming I've just opened all the industries in DeFi going uh, from the first to the last of them and uh, yeah I mean it's uh, interesting eventually to find out uh, what where the most value is and it seems like uh, it lies in the lending protocols when uh, and insurance protocols when you can give uh, better rates to people with uh, great uh, you know lifetime value for the protocol or credit score and uh, yeah. also a lot of things can be done in terms of uh, airdrops or liquidity mining programs to better distribute to have better user base that's what they're created for right no, I, th I think it's uh, it's interesting stuff to think about. Uh, as as long as ultimately people have their own decision on how they use that data, because I, I think there's even um, some projects or some developers. Uh, I think one of them, I think it was Julian Botelup or something. My my French is really bad, uh, but I, I think he did an airdrop for one of his projects, and I think literally uh all addresses that sold the specific airdrop uh, airdrop before a certain date he excluded them for, from future airdrops um, and it's kind of the same thing where you kind of uh, where one particular user uh chooses to blacklist uh, a certain group of addresses based on their previous behavior yep exactly and i uh if i heard it correctly there was a question whether it would be completing your applications well in my sense of, well in my point of view it would be easier and you know more lucrative for the parties uh, to integrate our technology into existing protocols which are all in ethereum and our biometrics are evam compatible yeah makes sense cool uh, thanks guys yeah, thank you for being here, man. Thank you. Okay, so let's see who wants to be targeted next. Uh, I mean, Johnny's like joining every single fireside. So. Yes, I, I was thinking Johnny would be a good target here. Johnny, do you have any questions, comments? Happy to be targeted. <laughs> No, no questions uh, from my side. I I agree that the the reputation uh, score is a good use case for for the product for Humanode. I was thinking about uh, OTC trades because a lot of people are reluctant to sign into exchanges and give all their details, and they trade with random people. 
on the internet, Bitcoin and stuff. So it would be really nice to know that the person behind uh, the trade that I'm trading with is is an actual human being and actually has made trades before, didn't cheat, didn't run away. It's also useful for uh, escrow, someone who can mediate an exchange between two people, anything that has to do with uh, yeah, with reputation, even dating apps, by the way. Nice to know that uh, the person you're about to date, go on a blind date, is hasn't done bad things in the past. And I just wonder if Humanoid will turn out to be the, um, the kind of decentralized police of blacklisting this, uh, this industry. I don't know if it's good or bad, but it is what it is, maybe. Yeah. Actually, her blind dating apps, it's, it's also good to know if the person is a real human being or not. So that you're not dating an android. Yes. <laughs> or a fake account. Program too. A lot of groups really want to block like, um, like anything that is not human, right? All the bots that jump in and spam and all the marketing bots it's uh, it could be like could be part of a good um of a good instant messaging app that just blocks anything that is not human oh yeah well that that's like use case it goes beyond the fee but like yeah that's something we could touch on the uh, other podcast yeah and that definitely is something that uh would be would be good. So, I mean, I mean, as, no, go ahead, go ahead. Uh, you know, about the messaging, I mean, this could have been already done by like centralized companies. I don't know why they haven't done that before. Maybe because tying your messaging to um, your biological tricks is something inconvenient. <laughs> yeah, they, they just uh, do social watching and WeChat. Yeah, yeah, that's why I couldn't get there for months. Still can't get there. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, then again, from the user's point of view, I mean, if I had to provide my, you know, uh, biometric data to, to let's say, Zoom or uh, Facebook Messenger, I probably wouldn't be part of it because I don't trust any of those companies with my biometric data, especially those companies that uh, tie your information, you know, all the cookies and you know sites you've seen or products you've seen to advertisement, I definitely would not want them to have my biometric data. But if it is, uh, you know, pseudonymous. <laughs> and uh, well, such kind of advertising is still an evil use case from my point of view. Hmm. Well, from point of view of advertisers, you get the information that they think you need. Or they so, think you need, or they think you can make, they can make money off of. But yes, go ahead. I'm just wondering, from those people who are present here on this call, uh, can those of you who, who would willingly give their like biometric uh, traits to a decentralized protocol for financial purposes can you please raise your hand i'm just interested 
I mean, if you're willing to give your biometric uh, traits to a decentralized protocol for financial like mm -hmm. uh, services, would you do that? I'm just pretty interested in that. I would, if if I'm certain that the the protocol is private and it doesn't reveal my identity and everything is working well. I think I would. I think uh, for myself, I would be very skeptical against it, uh, just based on previous experiences. But uh, I wouldn't totally rule it out, but it's not uh, something I'm most interested in. Uh, so, Neil, you, you had kind of experience that ruined your uh, experience. <laughs> can you describe it in, in detail? Uh, I, I can't go too much into detail, but uh, just my experiences with some centralized uh, institutions and the way they handle data in general. Um, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm more interested in the, in the more decentralized uh, applications, right? Decentralized. But uh, the thing is that, like, uh, we are leaving uh, our biometric traits practically like everywhere. If we, uh, you know, have a, a phone call to a centralized company, or we're just putting some photos online, and you know, isn't that like a breach of your privacy? Sorry, I, I got a little bit distracted. There was someone uh, walking through the street. Yeah, so yeah I mean, under the influence so, so. of something. Um, <laughs> so you sound um, like a person who's concerned about your your own privacy. How do you? What do you think about people that are leaving like their photos online and you know talking, which is also like a biometric trait, like the sound of your voice? Uh, yeah. Like, do you think people really care about their privacy nowadays? Um, I, I think. A lot less than the majority thinks uh, that they care, uh, because uh, I mean, you you leave a whole bunch of traces. Uh, obviously, um, I think it's slowly growing, but uh, I, th I think the majority of the people still don't really care about privacy uh, based on their behavior. Yep, and our lead engineer thinks that we lost that war long ago, and we, you know, we're just fighting with. With the spirit, I will. Yeah, we've been fighting. <laughs> uh, the the great thing, you know, despite the fact that uh, we're living in photos and biometric traits everywhere, uh, biometrics have gone a long way, and uh, it's uh, you know the photo is never enough. And right now, we're using three D models uh, of of the face, and uh, you can get that from the photo. That's the good thing, not talking about liveness detection during the process. But you know, I I also see like the appearance of a secondary market in, in, in that DeFi space. In terms of like a person who has like a awesome credit score and like has an awesome insurance score, and he's like he's being loyal and, and absolutely outright in every single services that he used through his biometrics. And basically, he can kind of vouch for people, like say, "Hey, I'm I'm okay. You can see my credit history here. And I know this guy hasn't been long for for a long time, but maybe I can vouch for this person, so he gets like more uh, insurance or needs to put less collateral to receive loans or stuff like this." 
or you know even taking out loans for other human beings and like having a small company of getting loans from protocols because he has less collateral and owning in escrow you know deals yeah, so the the main thing here is that uh, you can actually increase your yield by using those strategies and yep johnny thank you very much for that take i'm writing that down because uh otc markets is something pretty easy in terms of integration for us but it's something pretty big in terms of the volume they're having sounds like a natural use case for uh, for this for for local bitcoins for example so we have about um seven more minutes left six more minutes left um data do you have any closing comments well i'll i'll probably say that uh all this sounds very like good integrations for um centralized space but like the real uh, the most benefit that i see in this is like uh having a competition with centralized services in terms of ui and ux like user experience because i mean like if an ordinary person wants to uh, interact with loan protocols he has to have a paper wallet or digital wallet to feel that his uh, uh, stuff is secure and i mean if you're capable of delivering like biometric based the uh, user experience for all those uh, centralized finance services, then maybe one day uh, the user experience and interface will be as easy as and you know as natural and in centralized services. And then this is like the biggest benefit I think biometrics can bring into the space as a whole, regardless of which sphere we're talking about, because like the end user is always um, like he's. He's going for the easier experience, the smoother experience, you know. And mm -hmm. when you have to deal with all those paper wallets, all those digital right. wallets, we're losing like 95% uh, of user base because yeah. of that. It's just just too much things for an ordinary person. And if he's able to take a loan by just scanning his face, like he's already used to doing on most of the flagman, um, uh, you know, Many devices and devices. If we manage to bridge that gap. I think like uh, DeFi space will have a proper, you know, uh, engagement with the audience and it'll bring a lot of users that were not able to participate in the whole thing because they were just afraid that somehow their money will be stolen from them. Victor, do you have any closing comments? Yep, I'm here. Uh, my closing comments are just an idea. Uh, we could have, uh, you know, a little, uh, not a quiz, but a survey uh, where we state all those use cases we've just covered to find out as, you know, as a experiment, what people think will be the most useful and uh, we will be putting it first on the list uh, in terms of our future integrations. I'm personally betting on loans and credit because I mean, 
it's uh, it's a thing that everyone loves, <laughs> and there's like a, a, too much uh, money held on to the collateral, and basically all the collateral just gets frozen, and there's no way to distinguish whether it's the same person using this the same like public address. Yeah, it's 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 going to be a game changer in my opinion. I tend to agree there. So, um, once again, I would like to thank everybody for joining us for this fireside. Um, we'll be having our next one in two weeks from now. Uh, Dotto, do you have any ideas on what you want to talk about? Do you want to move on and talk about biometrics for other services? I, I think what we're going to do is we're going to put a survey uh, for the people to choose from um, different kinds of uh, topics that we can cover. Yeah. And mm -hmm. we'll, you know, go with what people choose. Okay. That sounds good. So once again, thank you all. Um, we still have like a couple minutes left here, but uh, we'll wrap it up. And if anybody has any comments, anything to say, just feel free to jump in and uh, talk. And if nobody has anything, then we'll just slowly fade away. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thank you for coming. OK, then, guys, I hear you in two weeks. Yeah, and we are fading away. Fading away. <laughs> <laughs> bye bye. Okay. Bye.